Well, I've always been taught, and I always am talking to people in my books, when I'm teaching people here, and how I actually live my life. You always need to be creative and take action. And then as for how I overcame the what if I fail or the times I do fail, how do I get back up? Well, think about a kid learning to walk. How many times do they fall over before they finally figure out how to walk? If you gave up after the first time you fell over, nobody would know how to walk. So it's this, okay, sure, you get knocked down, but as long as you get up one more time than you're knocked down, you'll still end up on top. Welcome back to Flashback Friday. What I love about this episode today is there are some really high point moments. If you want to listen to the full episodes, please go back, listen to the full episode. But there's some certain high point moments that we captured in this clip, in this episode for you, that I really think you're going to love. So uh, get ready for another great episode. Andrew, what would you say about this one particularly? Yeah, I mean, I just love how the team just goes and finds uh, all the best moments. And so uh, it's a little bit of a cheat code for you here on Flashback Fridays just to just to enjoy the the peak experience moments uh, of the show. Because uh, ultimately, I mean, the guests that we have on this show are incredible. And also, I understand that it's not always easy to digest a full episode, you know, every single week. So enjoy Flashback Friday uh, today. You're really going to love this. So um, enjoy and let's get on with the show. So what are some of the tactical items that you're doing for this business? Obviously, it's easy and cliche to say, oh, just keep going. But it's like, what are some of the tactical things that you're doing? We talk a lot about automation. We talk a lot about delegation. We talked about building systems. We talked about flowcharts. If you have any intel of what those focuses are for you as you're getting your business going, I'd love for you to riff on that or just jam on that. All right. What I taught really, especially Devin, what he learned the most, I taught him everything I could, but what he learned the most was be creative and take action. Nothing happens without action. And my wife is always the one that's struggling and trying to work hard. And I'm sure a lot of your audience spends their whole life. They were brought up just work hard. Well, working hard doesn't get you anywhere unless you're working smart as well. And of course you have to work hard. That's a given but you need to go in the right direction. So what I'm teaching, notice all of these are the problems that they had, and I have all my own problems, but I teach them what they need. So Ethan, the youngest one, he needs to learn to ask questions. He needs to get a mentor and listen and follow. So if you're out there, everybody can get a mentor that's one of the best in the world. And maybe it's Robert Kiyosaki, Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Cashflow Quadrant. Maybe it's Napoleon Hill, who has been dead for a long time, but thinking Grow Rich. What an awesome book. The E-Myth, if you're learning to do setting up systems and running a business, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And you can read these books for 20 bucks or for free if you go to the library. And that is where I started reading an awful lot of books. I listen to podcasts like yours every day. Everywhere we drive, I have a podcast on. Sometimes it's hard to hear when I have the convertible top down, but I'm still listening to a podcast to learn more. Tomorrow, I jump on a plane. We're flying out to Scottsdale for two weeks, and I'm going to actually a John Burley event, and he has two weeks of real estate training. And we're always going to these, both as speakers and as students. 
And as long as you're always surrounding yourself with people that are doing it, your friends that you make there can be your mentors. In fact, the newsletter that I just finished writing talks about even if you don't like to talk to people, if you're an introvert, I just walk into a room and I'm suddenly surrounded by 20 people. Not everybody has that. Well, I wasn't always like that. I was the shy kid in high school. So you can learn and grow. My wife really, really likes to come home and get away from people. I have that same thing too. I don't mind being the center of attention for a weekend or a week. Oh, I can't wait to get back. I live on a farm. I'm in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by trees, and I want nobody around but my family. So if it's uncomfortable, you can't run a business without people. That is all that matters. The people on your team and the people that you are doing business with, your mentors, your students, no matter what your customer is, you need people. So you need to learn to get comfortable with them. And that's another thing that we have all had to learn. So there's just a few of the things. Absolutely set up systems. It is never your employee's fault when something goes wrong. It is always a broken system or your leadership. If you take total responsibility, which is really easy if you're the only person in the company when you're starting. But once you hire somebody, the first lady we hired did showings for us. If she messed it up, I knew it was my fault because I didn't teach her correctly. And as long as you're always taking responsibility, you will always have the power to make a change. If, however, I say, oh, Mike, you messed this up. It's your fault. Well, then I just gave him the power. Now he's in charge. So take control of your company by taking responsibility. And that is a big thing that I learned in the Army that I have always done that helped me out a lot. Well, Eric, that is excellent. I'm curious, when you think about those principles, whether that's through the family success triangle or something else, what are the biggest mindset shifts that you help people through, the biggest limitations that people need to break through in order to become successful? What holds them back? What would you say? Their own self-limiting beliefs. And you can break that down into three different groups of people. And we've got all of these problems and everybody's trying to divide the world. You know what? In my opinion, there's three types of people. There's rich, there's poor, and there's middle class. And it has nothing to do with how much money you make. We were dirt poor, but we never acted like we were poor. And then my dad graduated from medical school and was a dentist. And we suddenly, well, within a couple of years, we had a whole lot more money. I remember the kid next door said, well, oh, well, you wouldn't understand you're rich. We were never really rich. We were middle class. But no matter what we did, we were stuck there. And if I did what my dad told me to do, get more education, save money, invest in a 401k, blah, 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 then I was destined to remain middle class. And I didn't want that in my life. I wanted to be rich, not because I wanted the money, but I wanted what the money could buy. It could buy me enough time that I never had to worry about going to work. I could spend all the time I wanted with my kids. And my wife wanted to homeschool the kids. So that's what we did. And I taught the important subjects, financial education, shooting, and science. And she did the boring stuff like English and whatever. But that's where we started. I found that by creating enough value for enough people, then I had time freedom. I could do what I wanted when I wanted. I had financial freedom that allowed me to have all the others. And I had location freedom. I can go anywhere I want, anytime I want. 
it really helps to have your own plane to do that. That, by the way, is an awesome thing everybody should strive for. But we can just jump in. And if we want to go somewhere, we jump in the plane and go. And as long as we have an iPad or a cell phone, we can check up on the business, make some decisions and make sure it keeps running. And if you do that every week, you can be gone for a few weeks and nothing falls apart. Whereas if you are a sole proprietor, if you're the only person, if you're the everything, as soon as you leave, you quit earning money. It's just as bad as being an employee. So what I found, if you want to move out of the poor, you have to quit blaming other people and you have to quit focusing on expenses and start learning what an asset is. If you want to move out of middle class, you have to give up on this illusion of safety and security. It is not the way everything in the world changes. And if you become perfect in the middle class, you're perfectly equipped to live in a world that no longer exists. And I look at is what is going on with the banking system, with real estate in the last month or two, or the last year or so. It is going to be another 2007 moment. And it's not going to be the same, but it will rhyme. So you have to be prepared, looking ahead and ready for change. And if you can do that, not be frightened by that and realize this is the greatest opportunity I might ever have, then you're thinking like a rich person. And I guarantee you will make mistakes. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be the straight A student. You just have to learn from those mistakes a little bit faster than the other people. Try not to make the same ones again. I believe that that is how rich people think. And that's why if we took all the money in the world and evenly distributed it, no more than 10% of the people would change. 90% of the poor people would be poor again in five years. 90% of the middle class people would be middle class again in five years. And 90% of the rich people would be rich again in five years. Not because of their earned income, but because of the way they think. Hmm. So good, man. Thank you so much for breaking that down. And again, this is just foundational stuff. And you think about understanding assets and liabilities, and then you think about the middle class. It's like the instruction that I was given was the same thing Robert Kiyosaki mentions in Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's like, stay in school, get good grades, you can get a good job with good benefits. And that ultimately is an illusion because, hey, there's actually no safety necessarily in that because you could also lose your job. And don't forget to pay off all your debts. <laughs> right. And so it's like, if you're following that path, what's ending up to happen is you actually don't have safety. You're just operating out of fear. We were actually having my son listen to the book right now and we were on the way to school because he was inspired by Devin's story, by the way. And so we were listening. He's like, why do grownups wake up and rush out the door to go to work when they clearly don't want to? They never seemed all that excited about it. But it's just that fear that continues to drive people. And so many people are operating from that. They can't get past it. So I love what you're bringing through there. Thank you for that. I have a question if you're open to it. What's interesting to me is just watching this is there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of resolve and commitment and follow through and navigating uncertainty. I know a lot of adults who, at the first sign of any sort of barrier, the first sign of any sort of conflict or challenge, they say, oh, well, forget it. You know, I guess it's just not for me. You go to one bank as a seven-year-old, turns out the bank doesn't want to loan you money. And I can imagine a lot of seven-year-olds dropping their head down and saying, well, forget it. I guess I'm just not going to buy real estate. Let me go back to Legos. But you didn't. And so I'm curious, from the mindset perspective, what's the mindset that you have when you're going through these things? Because that's universally applicable to every single listener that's listening to this right now. What would you say to that? 
Well, I've always been taught and I always am talking to people in my books when I'm teaching people here and how I actually live my life. You always need to be creative and take action. And then as for how I overcame the what if I fail or the times I do fail, how do I get back up? Well, think about a kid learning to walk. How many times do they fall over before they finally figure out how to walk? If you gave up after the first time you fell over, nobody would know how to walk. So it's this, okay, sure, you get knocked down, but as long as you get up one more time than you're knocked down, you'll still end up on top. Hmm. I love that. Most kids, they're not going to want to like listen to mom and dad. They want to rebel or go the opposite direction of what mom and dad say. So I'm totally curious on receiving the parenting. Many of our listeners, they're still looking to get that first deal. So for you to oversimplify that first deal, coming from a newly 16-year-old to speak to someone who's maybe two or three times your age that's still trying to get that first deal under their belt and being able to simplify it as much as possible for them. Because that first deal, I'm sure it's a big confidence builder for you to stack. I also want to explore lessons from your parents. You might have a whole book on just lessons you learned from mom and dad. My goodness, there's a bunch there. Obviously, we could go in so many different directions, but I'd like to try to hit on a couple of these. This is where, to answer your question, Biggs, the things that's coming up for me, this is where my curiosities are. Well, starting off with my parents, and a lot of people want to rebel. They want to rebel against their parents. They want to do their own thing. My parents, they let me do things and try things and fail, learn my lesson, and then do things better the next time. And I never got into some of the drugs and alcohol stuff. If that means you don't think clearly, you do stuff that gets you in trouble, that just doesn't seem worth it to me, which has just kind of been my thought process about most of it. And my parents, they just built, I guess you could call it, they built a relationship with my brother and I based on respect. Like they said an example, they were congruent, which is a big lesson my parents teach, especially in their book, Family Success Triangle which talks a lot about them raising my brother and I and teaching us about business and investing. Right? My parents were always congruent. When they said something, when they were teaching us things, they also followed what they were teaching. So good modeling, right, is what I'm hearing. And it's like, why would I want to rebel against these people who I respect yeah. and who do what they say, do what they mean, and all of those things? It's like, well, they're congruent. I want to be like them. You know, what it reminds me of, Devin, there's a book, I just finished it recently, The Art of Learning by Joss Waiskin. I think is how you say his last name. The movie Searching for Bobby Fischer was based off this kid. And the Cliff Notes version of the story, I mean, he was a prodigy, a young prodigy who reached high, high levels of success as a young kid. And then when he reached a point of being the best chess player in the world, just completely like buckled folded up, put all this pressure on himself, all the eyes were on him, and then really just said, I went out of the spotlight. And you see that almost like in Hollywood, child actors, you see these individuals that just can't take the pressure of being amazing. And they have some sort of regret on missing out on some things in their childhood or all this pressure. And then they kind of pivot and go in a different direction. How have your parents or just your environment how is some of that, if it's being discussed with you, is there ever a back door where it's like, hey, by the way, Devin, if you just want to like 
go watch porn and hang out with your boys and go play video games and just be a kid. You don't have to continue on this books and the speaking and the real estate and being the most successful young kid in the world. I know that's not what you want right now, but maybe the 25-year-old version of you is saying, hey, man, don't miss out on some of this stuff. Just curious if there's anything there. The way I'm seeing it is while theoretically maybe I could fade into obscurity and people would forget my name and a couple of people's lives would be changed by some of the things that I've done and taught. Or I could continue working and growing and teaching people and over time help hundreds of thousands of people and change the entire world. Well, you mentioned video games. What is the purpose of that? To increase a number, to get to the top, to prove your worth, to feel like you've done well. What if I could do that? And what if I could get the same, like, hey, I'm doing this. I have a bigger number of people that I'm helping, all right? Feeling important because I can help all these people and then everybody is better and they all like me because of it. If nothing else, people's lives are just better and everything in the world gets better. And then maybe my life gets a little bit easier or it's a little bit cooler, like, huh, help with that. So sure, I could do it in game, but what if I could do it in real life? It's great. It's a great answer. And, you know, it's cool to watch the journey here that you've been on, Devin. And I'm so excited for the future for you as well. You and Eric partnering together, you told the origin story of how you met. How do you navigate that as well? Obviously, you want to make time for each other. But then how do you partner with your spouse? Because I think a lot of times it's possible maybe you're in the same boat, but you're not always swimming in the same direction or paddling in the same direction. So I'm curious from your perspective, how have you navigated that to make sure that there's a consistent experience for the children? What would you say to that? Well, let me start by explaining that Eric and I have very different personalities When we first got together, our closest friends literally had a betting pool on how long we would last because we're so different. And the longest one was six months. And I found out about this and I told him about it. And I said, here's my perspective on that. I said, we can let all of these differences divide us or we can choose to use them to our advantage because what my strengths are is your weaknesses and where I am weak, you are strong. So if we work together as a team, we can be unstoppable. I said, but we have to make that decision. And so we made that decision in the very beginning before we were ever even married. And so we kind of take that approach now. Our core values are all the same. How we approach things might be completely different because our personalities are different. Teaching our kids, I realize if I start teaching them something and I can't communicate it appropriately, I will have Eric do it because he will come at it from a different angle with his personality and then the kids might get it that way so much better. So sometimes it takes that teamwork, those differences, those things that you can both contribute to not only raise the children well, but it also makes the marriage better. Are there arguments? Sure. Every relationship is going to have a little bit of that. But we also have a code of honor on our own. And one of those things is we don't ever go to bed angry. So we might be up till 3 a.m. discussing the problem until we can find a solution. But we're never going to go to bed angry. I think every relationship needs that code of honor in the beginning. How are we going to handle these things? Do we want children? How are we going to raise them? Do we want to homeschool? Like all these things. If you have your own code with that person, the relationship will go so much better. And so we just partner together on everything. And if I realize that this particular task, he's going to be so much better for, I'll just ask him to help with that. And he'll do the same thing if he knows that I would be better for that particular item. 
sometimes we attack it as a team because we're not sure what's going to be better, but you've got to do what works. So sometimes we're back to the scientific approach. You try it. If it doesn't work, you try something else. But uh, I think the two of us working together has been amazing. I couldn't imagine having a better partner. He is my best friend. He is my business partner. And he is my sounding board. Sometimes he's what keeps me rocking and rolling because he'll go, oh, don't forget, you've got to make sure you're focusing on these things. And like, he'll see the things I don't see. And it makes us so much stronger together. We have both of your son and your husband's podcast episodes out where we got really into the nitty gritty on real estate and investing and all these different things. But I also know that you have a lot to contribute on that point too. So we've got to be a little bit cognizant of time, but I'm curious, like, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from investing or business that you would love to share with the audience that from Lila's perspective, because I'm sure that you have some things that they didn't mention. What would you say to that? My biggest lesson was that being a good parent made me a better business person and being a better business person made me a better parent. And most people would not think those two things are related. But for example, learning how to motivate my kids taught me how to motivate my team because people don't come to work just for a paycheck. They want something bigger than that. They want something that's important to them. Learning from my kids that it's not just about the money. It's about the passion behind it or the things that they need out of it. And I went into that a little bit in our book as well, but it's amazing how that lesson carried over. And then it's interesting learning how to talk to people at work, either on my team or from our customers, and then bringing that home and being able to be logical instead of angry at my kids when they mess something up and just talking to them about how I would talk to a client or a customer or a team member to correct the behavior without getting angry and just yelling and screaming because it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. And so some of these lessons carry back and forth and being good at one has made me better at the other. And that was a huge lesson for me. All right, Better Than Rich Show listener, thanks for sticking around to the end. If this episode inspired you, if it motivated you, if the connection that you're getting from our guests and from us resonates with you, we just want to extend a little offer to you to help you regain some time. Because one of the things that we've realized as busy entrepreneurs is that our time is the most valuable asset that we have in our business, but also with our families, with our health, with our personal growth, uh, all those certain things that we want to grow in our lives, they require time, they require energy. And we've launched a service that we've been doing for now for over a year that has a lot of traction in the marketplace that just sources a team of virtual assistants for you. And so if you've never had a conversation with a member of our Better Than Rich team before on our virtual assistant program, you're missing out. It's an opportunity to learn more about what we're up to. And ultimately, we help people regain 80, 100, 150 or more hours a month, every single month. And what might that do for you? What might that do for your life? What might that do for your family? If you want to live a life that's truly better than rich, time freedom is a big part of that. So Mike, where can people learn more and why should people at least book a call with our team? Well, first, I think it's very simple for you to just go book a call. It's free. We'll hop on uh, with you, one of our team strategists, and we'll just poke around your business. Worst case, you figure out what your dollar per hour wage is and what your time is worth, and we'll at least make sure you leave with that. Best case scenario, we could give you a team of two or three or more virtual assistants to just get all of your admin offloaded. So make your way over to VA, that's VA as in virtual assistant, dot betterthanrich.com. So that's va.betterthanrich.com and book your call. All the details are on there. The pricing is on there. We're an open book. We just know that this service is really helpful. So va.betterthanrich.com and we look forward to our conversation with you soon.